hard, long ride. You guys made it. I know there was times where you probably never thought you would be here and, or, or would make it, you know, going through elementary, then middle school, and then finally high school. You're like, when is it going to end? And now you're probably thinking, wow, that went by really fast. Did we uh, miss anybody? Is everybody here? Anybody, any other seniors do, we didn't know about? Oh, well, we're not done. We're going to do a couple more after this, but yeah, you know, so I should have let the pastor in on, you know, the, the flow. Uh, we have a couple more we're going to recognize as well after this that weren't attending. Do we have any more in attendance? Any seniors that are, have attended? No? All right. Thank you, Pastor DJ. All right. So we love you guys. We are very, very proud of you. And what we want to do this morning is we want to just pray for y'all and send you with God's favor and blessing as you go to your next uh, career or school or wherever you're going to. Uh, we know that God can do amazing and will do amazing things through each and every one of you. Okay. So if I could get this, if the church can just stretch out their hands. Go ahead, stretch out your hands. We're going to go ahead and pray as a corporate body. We know there's power in prayer. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for our students. We thank you that you love them. We thank you that your favor will shine upon them. God, we thank you for their accomplishments, and we thank you for the accomplishments to come. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would bless them, God. We send them out this morning in blessing and favor and strength and understanding. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill them to overflow and that you would teach them and guide them in all truth, God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for every single parent and student up here. Lord, we ask that you would be a comforter for the parents, as this may be the first time that they their child leaves for an extended period. Holy Spirit, comfort them, be with them, strengthen them, and guide them. We love you. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, give him one more hand. All right, Pastor DJ, anything you would like to add? I've got a whole sermon. Oh, all right, amen. We got a whole sermon. Amen. Y'all can go back to your seats. We love you guys. Congrats, man. Yeah, man. Can't wait to see what happens. All right, so we do have a few students that weren't able to make it. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, go ahead and still celebrate them, and we're going to call uh, either their parents or a relative of theirs to come up here, and we'll pray for them as well as they stand in the gap for them. So the first up, we have T.J. Gaiman. <laughs> Brother Jane's going to be coming up here. So TJ's graduating from Prattville High School and will be attending UAB in the fall. So amen. That's awesome. <laughs> Please give him a hug for us. All right. Next is Caroline Schof. I think Nikki Alley's coming in for them. <laughs> Caroline is graduating from Stanhope Elmore High School and will be attending the University of South Alabama in the fall. She will be studying biomedical sciences with plans to attend medical school in hopes of becoming a transplant surgeon. Wow. That's very specific. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, last but not least is Jalen Smith. Uh, Jalen is graduating from Thompson High School. He hopes to attend Alabama A&M University this fall to major in electrical engineering. 
So for a lot of you might not know, we do this every year, but every year it gets more and more personal. Like Jalen, we've seen go through from middle school all the way to graduating, and TJ, we got to minister to him as well. So to us, it's just like, oh no, we're getting closer, we're getting closer, like just knowing them more personally. And we just want to thank the parents, the ones that came up before that have gave us the opportunity to minister to their kids, allow them to come to youth group and just be part of our GPS family. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of them that we could probably sit here and talk for a while on. Um, you know, there's just a lot of them, but, you know, Haley and Brandon and, you know, Alex and just so many people. Um, but we truly appreciate all of you. Uh, so same thing. If y'all can just stretch out your hands, we want to pray for them. Uh, they're standing in the gap for somebody. And so, Lord, right now, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would just help TJ, God, that you would help Caroline and you would help Jalen, Father. We know they're not here today, but, God, we bless them this morning, God. We bless them this morning in the name of Jesus. God, we ask that you would bless them, God, spiritually, physically, mentally, academically, in the name of Jesus, God. We ask that your favor would go with them wherever they go and that your Psalms 91 protection would be all the way around them, God and that you would protect them from every evil, from every snare and attack of the enemy in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, come on, give them one more hand. Come on. Come on, how awesome is that? You heard where everybody's going and everything they're going to do. Yeah, just bring it right up here. I got it. Everywhere they're going, everything they're going to do, and we're going to inject the Lord into all that. I mean, come on, that's some powerful stuff right there. This is not supposed to be, you know, a, a lot. I mean, we, we did have somebody said they're going into ministry, right? And, and I love that. And I think there, there's, there's power in that. But the point is, is that we're supposed to go into ministry in everything we do. That each one of these kids have now graduated and they're going into ministry. It might be in school. It might be in their work. It might, whatever it is, that's going to be their ministry. You saw the one lady was tra transplant surgeon. Come on, like how much more do we need God in that? I mean, come on. There, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of prayers that go into that. I mean, look, that's how he works. So, so each one of them are going into ministry. I hope I get to spend more time with Brandon though. Because I got to, we watched you share to this church family. We got to, and I just know God's got his hands all over it. I knew that then, man. So that's pretty powerful stuff. We got people going into Air Force. Just, just a personal thing. Just, just a personal thing. Like kind of love the Air Force. So... Um, I think that's going to be good. Um, but yes, uh, I'm really excited for everybody. Each one of these students, man, we got ball players, we got all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, I thought I could easily come on up and talk about everybody and all their accomplishments and everything they're doing. But then I realized that's probably not fair, uh, because everything I want to talk about is going to relate to you guys too. But then I realized I actually got to talk about some like announcements first. They steal everything. They steal everything, but Ah, anyway, let me get through some of these announcements so you know what's going on before, before I jump back into this. Um, we got uh, uh, kingdom classes. You know, it's exciting. Next week, if you really want to find out about the Bandy's trip to Israel, that is next week, y'all. So 9 o'clock. Um, Scott and Holly got to go to Israel, and they brought back all kinds of stuff, and they're talking about that. And I, he even talked to me about trying to plan a trip. So um, that's, that's powerful. So if you want to be here, be here at 9 o'clock. Uh, next Sunday uh, over in the annex, and we're going to be able to discuss that and jump on, you know, hear all about that and see what's going on over there. 
Uh, we do have a food drop on Thursday in Millbrook. So this is what we do. We get out to Millbrook. We actually show up early and we get there. And as all the cars, there's probably 200 cars that line up to get food. Um, and then it's a free food handout. But what we do is we just don't let them show up. Like we give them donuts and coffee and we pray for each and every car. Um, this is powerful, y'all. We get to reach out and touch people in need in Millbrook, you know, once a month. And this is going to be the month. So if you're not if you're not doing anything, uh, Thursday morning, show up. It's down at the Air Now parking lot. So we'd love to have you to come join us. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, I don't know if you have a slide for this one, so, uh, but I wrote down on my notes. Uh, we have the uh, Baptism Sunday is in two weeks on June 4th. So I just wanted to throw that one out there. If you are thinking about getting baptized, that's next on your list. It's coming up in two weeks. So we'll have an open site out there. There'll be a link for you to sign up. Uh, so don't miss out on that. Also on June 17th, so I'm jumping out a month, June 17th is going to be our first praise in the park. So I, I know people are like, hey, we just did a praise. We did a praise in the park and we teamed up with a whole bunch of churches and that was absolutely amazing. And I hope that we can continue to do that. But God told us we're going to go down and we're going to do our worship nights instead of doing them in the sanctuary. Every month we're going to do our worship nights in the Village Green in Millbrook. So now we have reserved those all the way out through December. So I have the dates reserved. It's full speed ahead. We're going, and we're going to take it to them. You know, instead of waiting for people to come into the church, we're going to take it to the community because that's what we're supposed to do. This is not about building a church. It's about building a kingdom. And you can't do that within the walls of a church. So we're going to take it to everybody. And that's what we're going to do. So uh, I look forward to that. We'll have tons of information about that. Uh, it'll take a team of people to go out there. We're going to feed everybody. We're going to do that. We're going to worship. We're going to share. Uh, we're just going to love on people. And then we're going to ask to see if any of the churches want to come alongside and come with us because that's how we do it. I Man, we had like six of them last time. Uh, that's powerful. So, uh, but just look forward to that. I, I want to see that. Uh, we have a baby shower today right after church. So don't forget that. Come on. We have the Webb, Cernice, and Lawrence. Man, we just love you guys. We love you guys. And you have lots of babies. She having twins, right? Come on. So we're going to celebrate right after church, y'all. Don't go anywhere. We want to celebrate them right after church. That's going to be good. Um, also, right after church, uh, after that production meeting over at El Cerrito with Ryan, you can get with Ryan. If, and he let everybody know if you're part of production, if you want to be part of production, if you want to help with production is the sound, it's the videos, it's the online service, all those things. If that's something you've been interested in, they're going to meet and go eat <laughs> and talk. And that's always good. And then come back, which is going to be powerful. So uh, be there for that. And then next week is going to be a special week. We've got uh, my spiritual father, Brother Bo Barton. Uh, he's also, uh, he is the apostle over this house. So he has spiritual authority over this house. He's going to be here to speak next week. Okay, so for some of you, yeah, you should get excited. He's been, he just got back from the Ukraine. He travels a whole bunch. Um, he actually uh, has been seated in a church in the local area. So it's been almost 10 months since we've actually had him here to speak to the family. That's been a long time. Okay, but we were trying to honor him, and I've learned from that, don't ever say no for somebody, right? But he has been all over the world, but he's going to have an opportunity to come in, and some of you hadn't even met him yet. So he's going to be able to speak to the family. You get to see, uh, this is my spiritual father. He pours into me, um, so he's going to pour into our family next week, and I'll be here. We're going to celebrate that. Uh, we're going to spend some time with them, and, and I know he's got a powerful word for our family. All right, that's all my announcements. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you, Lord.
I thank you for everything you're doing in this house. I thank you today that, Lord, I pray you give me a word right now for this family. Lord, let it be all of you, none of me. Father, I just surrender this to you. Have your way in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on. Whew. So back to the, uh, back, back to the students. Um, just congratulations once again on graduating and moving on to the next season. So powerful. We have everybody from, like I said, people going and wanting to be doctors and, and all this stuff. We got Val Victorian in the, in, in the, in the a sanctuary. Come on. Um, Haley, come on. Val Victorian of her class. And we get to celebrate her this week. So I'm excited to go out and, you know, I, I'm, I'm just excited to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm going specifically to hear her speak in front of people so that I know how we can plug her in. Come on, that's good stuff. We've been in a series, and it wasn't even supposed to be a series, it was called Boundaries. And we kind of jumped into this a while ago and said, we, we put these, we drew a line in the sand on how far we would go with God. We said, God, I'll, I, I will go this far, but then I'm gonna draw a line because I don't know if I can take that step. I don't know if I can go any further. And we've been talking about this for weeks and it, this, this has really affected me personally as I, as I read this and I've had other people come up and go, man, this is really good stuff because we try to say we're gonna, we're gonna stand up with God. We're gonna trust in him with everything right up to this point. Like I'm willing to do it all unless you want me to cross that line. Like there's a limit to my faith. There's a limit to what I wanna do. There's a limit uh, to what I want you to do in my life and how I want you to do it. So we, we kind of take it out of his hands and say, this is what I want. If you do that, I'll follow you. But if, if you don't, I don't know if I can take that step. I don't know if I, I have faith enough to take that step. So that's what we've been talking about. Uh, and I've been praying this week because the Lord just literally gave me a whole bunch of scripture. So this morning we were praying over the sermon and we were like, Jeff's like, yeah, make it anointed. I said, just give me one, Lord. You gave me all this scripture. Now give me something to talk to. And I really believe it after even seeing the seniors up here uh, graduating and everything. I want to say that I do believe that there are boundaries that are good. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because I think I've kind of spun this thing. And I said, man, don't draw a line in the sand and say you won't cross it. But now what I need, especially these high school seniors as they're going out into the world, they need to draw a line. And they need to say, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of this. And I'm not going to let the world in in any way, shape, or form. And they have to draw a line and say, I'm not going to cross the line. But it's not just for them. We have people in this room. We as adults, we, we, we've been through this. We have to draw a line and say, how much world am I going to let into my life? And how much kingdom am I going to let in my life? How, how much am I willing to really do? And man, we got to draw a line and say, we got to stop living as the world lives and start living as a kingdom. Okay, living for him. And we got to draw that line and say, I'm not willing to go. You, this is not a hop back and forth. You can't say, well, well, I'm all with God on that. But over here, I want to be on my own and I want to do my own thing and I want to have opinions. But, you know, but, but I'll come back over here when I need something and use God as like my, my fortune teller and all this. And then I'm going to hop back over here because this is what the world says I should do. I'm going to try to please people. I'm going to try to do it all on my own. And then I'm going to hop back across, right, and ask him for something because I need healing. You can't do that. Like, we're not supposed to do that. We have to draw a line in the sand and say, Lord, I'm all about you. And we've got to, and this is not legalism. I'm not getting into legal. This isn't about what you have to do. It's about having faith and trusting in him and loving in him, right? And loving on him and saying, I'm not going to jump back and forth. 
Man, we're trying, look, the, the kingdom is waiting. The, the world is waiting. Creation is waiting for us to understand who we are. And every time we jump back and forth across that line, we lose traction. This was my comment when it came with the praise in the park. They were like, hey, let's get back together and we're gonna talk and maybe we'll do it again in another quarter. No, we can't start taking ground and then back up and give them, give them two, three more months to keep doing what they're doing. It's time to go take the city. You can't do that by taking a step back all the time, right? It's about pressing forward, advancing into what God wants us to do. Man, so we gotta draw a line in the sand and say the, the world's not welcome in certain, in all aspects of, of what we do. Well, there you go. Do you really trust him? Thank you, Lord. I'm trusting him this morning. I'm trusting him this morning. You know, I was reading this week, and this is where it kind of hit me. I, it, 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 you want some tips in the Bible study? Try this. I read my Bible, and I have a Bible reading thing, so I, I read it in the right order, and then when I get done, I reread it. And then I reread it, and then I reread it, and then I reread it, and then you reread it. And you read it and you read it in different translations and you just keep reading the Bible. And every time you keep reading the Bible, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that the first time. Like, oh my gosh, it's like, so this week I just said, I'm gonna just, that was like, I think it was like Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I was in my study. And, and I'm like, I started reading. I said, well, I wanna read the book of, book of Daniel again. So I just started going through the book of Daniel and he just, everything just started downloading me saying, this is what we're supposed to talk about because this is a guy that drew lines in the sand. This is somebody that said, I'm not willing to go do what you want to do. I'm willing to do anything. I'll die for it. This is powerful. So it's such a powerful story that was the perfect timing with this. So we're going to get into the book of Daniel, a lot of it. So hopefully you brought your Bible. If not, you'll be able to read it all on the screen. Uh, we'll try to get it up there. But first off, you need to understand Daniel... Um, we're going to talk about how he walked through some stuff, him and his friends. Um, you got to remember, they were about 17. So Daniel and his friends, and, and I'll get into the scripture when Nebuchadnezzar asked for them to come and they said, go get these kids, these Jewish kids, and he's bringing them into Babylon. So he's bringing them into a country at the time. If you think about this, it's like Southern Iraq. This is, this is a country that is evil, like Straight up evil. Everything they do is excessive. Every, like if you steal something, they're cutting hands off, cutting feet off. They're gutting out people. They're making examples of people. They're ruthless, right? And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go grab these kids that are about 17 years old. Sounds familiar. He says, make sure they're wealthy or with knowledge and, and um, they have good skills and, and they, they're, they're, we can educate them. So he goes, go get the best of the crop. So, so I'm just thinking about this. I'm going, man, look at all these kids that just graduated high school. They're fired up, man. They are well-trained. They're educated. They're ready to go do something. And the world's like, go grab them. <laughs> go grab them. We got something for them. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did. He said, go grab a whole bunch of them. And they grabbed a whole bunch of them. Okay, but the Bible really focuses on four of them. Right, Bible focuses on four of them, and this way, and they were about 17 years old. And and just to give you an idea, Daniel, the, the word Daniel, the name Daniel means God is my judge. That's his name. God is my judge. So so what a name to have. Like, come on, Lord, judge me, judge everything inside of me that doesn't align with with who you are. That's what judgment means. Judge everything inside of me that doesn't align with your love for me. Judge everything. But here's the thing: these kids. I'm going to call them teenagers, I guess. I'll call them students because that just rolls off my tongue. Either. These students 
that just graduated, got pulled in there, and, and they were called to do all these different things, right? And they're, they're putting under the scrutiny of a whole nother leadership. And they said, you're going to train them up in the way of Babylon. You're going to teach them how to talk the way we talk. You're going to teach them how to look the way we look, right? And he goes, you're going to teach them our land, everything. He goes, they're going to they're eat like we eat. I mean, it's, this is, man, I'm telling you, this is serious stuff. I started reading this this week, and I was like, unbelievable. Like, this happens every year. This happens every year. In fact, Babylon, if you think about Babylon, you, you guys know the story of the Babel, the Tower of Babel. Like in Genesis, you go all the way back to Genesis and, and, and Babel, man, they started creating a tower and they said, if we can create this big enough, we'll be a city of our own people and nobody can stop us and we're gonna create this on our own and we're gonna be able to do everything. And God was like, whoa. And he confused people with languages and he separated them and said, because he goes, you're not supposed to be able to do everything on your own. You're supposed to lean on me. So Babel means confusing. So Babylon is all about confusion. And these kids were being taken out of a Jewish household where they were taught the law, they were walking in a relationship, and then they were pulled right into a confusion state, right? So that they could use them. And they did this. If you think about the times, I mean, um, at the times, the, the kings, you know, the kings that, that everybody wanted, Nobody was living right, so God was disappointed in all the kings. In fact, most of the Bible, when I get reading it, talks about, like, he let them do this. God let them do it. That's crazy. But he was like, I'm unhappy with how everybody's living. Like, people were just going crazy. And he's like, he's like, you wanted kings. I gave you kings, and now you still don't love me. Like, what's going on? Like, you still can't walk with me. Um, but yeah, it's unbelievable. So you get into it. Look, I geek out with this stuff. I'm sorry. I'm probably going to ramble for a while, but I do, man. I love this stuff. And when you start digging into why they do what they do, it's unbelievable. Hmm. All right, so I'll get into some scripture. That was kind of the backfill so you knew what was going on. We're going to go to Daniel 1. <laughs> I'm going to start reading and I'll stop and then I'll keep reading. We're probably going to go through 21. Daniel 1, 1 through 21. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Uh, whatever you have, it should be pretty close. Um, we got a steam cleaner back there. You can come get all that. I know, he's a good kid. <laughs> all right, verse 1. It says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He came and took it. He says, I'm taking it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. So he came into a Jewish place to the temple and took the holy things and God let him take them. And he took them back to Babylon to a land of confusion. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure that they are versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, and they were to be trained for three years, and they would enter the royal service. Well, sounds pretty good when you just read it. You're like, man, these guys are being brought into the palace. This is going to be great. They're taken from their family, 
They're taking from everything that was poured into them from kids all the way up, and they were yanked out of a society, and they were thrown into a society that's full of confusion. But the king's like, yeah, I'm going to make them leaders one day, but, man, I'm going to get them my way. I'm going to take them out of everything they know, and I'm going to make them my way now. Everything, I'm going to get rid of everything that they were taught, everything that they lived on, everything that gave them peace and comfort. We're going to yank them out of all that stuff, and I'm going to teach them my way. But, man, I'm going to feed them and everything. So these kids, you know, you, from the outside, you're like, man, that looks good, man. Go to royal. But no, 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 no. I guarantee you these kids do not want to be there. And here's what you need to know. This is happening, but, but let's go statistic-wise. Statistically, 70% of all teenagers, when they graduate high school, the one, 70% of all that attended, attended church leave. 70% of teenagers that attended church with their parents, when they go off to college or to a job or to wherever they're going to the military, they quit attending church. And it takes 10 years to get half of them back. Problem is we had them here in the first place. So what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong as a family? What are we doing wrong as a church, as a body that makes these kids not want to come back? There's a lot of stuff out there. This is why we're so devoted to our students. This is why we're trying to equip them and train them and empower them and give them opportunities to see what it's like to serve the Lord. And it's not about them coming in and, and, and being in ministry. It's not about them coming in and being a pastor. It, that's great. I think we need that. That's awesome. But it's about them understanding and having enough faith and walking in faithfulness to walk out into the world and do what they're really gifted in doing and bring the Lord with them. And then go, go, when you go to school, go find a place where you can get connected, right? So if you're in school, you're not in school to just get away from your parents. I've done that. <laughs> look, I'm not, look, I was not that goody two-shoe kids. They grew up in church and just never left church. I want nothing to do with church. Trust me, I know what it's like. I want to get away from everything. Don't be those kids. Get out, get in community. We're not lying when we say you can't do life alone. You have to do life with people. So why not surround yourself with people that have the same belief, the same understanding, right? That when things are tough, they want to pray over you and not give you something to numb it. But man, we got to do a better job as a family of raising up kids and raising up the next generation so that when they leave here, all they're thinking about is this. And it's not what we, we were taught as kids. It's not trying to embed it in their head that, that they have to be this holy. I'm not saying they can do whatever they want. What I'm saying is they need to understand this can be fun. And there's life in this. And they can, they can walk in this. And it's not that hard. There's freedom in this. There's freedom in following the Lord. There's freedom in trusting him. Man. That's right. You too. Preach. Right there, preaching. Throw it out there. I prophesy that kid will be. <laughs> All right, let's pick it up in, in verse six. It says, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with the Babylonian names. So he didn't just rename them, he re-identified them. 
How long have we been talking about identity, understanding who we are in Christ, sons and daughters in Christ, walking with authority in Christ? They took them and re-identified them. They said, you're no longer part of that. They just stripped them of everything they were ever taught. And they gave them new names. Daniel was Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Ezra was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. It says Daniel was determined. Just like we talked this morning about somebody who was determined to see her son healed. Daniel was like, I'm determined. I'm not doing that. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I refuse to eat the food you want me to eat. I refuse to. He drew a line in the sand. He said, I'm not going any further. This is what's been taught to me. He's 17. They were just taken from their family. And they're trying to bless them with wine and good food. And he said, I'm not doing it. Man. You have to be so grounded in your belief that you trust the Lord that he'll even give you food if you don't eat. He's going to take care of you if you don't eat. This is what he's saying. Daniel's like, I ain't doing that. I refuse to do that. So verse 9, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. So God was already involved. He said, look, I got a leader in there already, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless that guy, and he's going to love on you guys. That's what he did. So God's already involved. He's in a, whole, he's in a place where he ain't supposed to be. <laughs> I love God. <laughs> he's always in a place where everybody thinks he ain't supposed to be. Man, come on. He gave him both respect and affection for Daniel. He gave respect for Daniel. 17-year-old kid. This guy's the chief of staff of, of the Babylonian Empire, whatever, right? And he, and he gave him respect for this young kid who's only 17. But he responded, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. So this guy is also saying, I'm scared. I'm going to die if I don't do this. I'm going to die. But Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of those 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these young men, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. And he didn't do it because he was eating vegetables. Look, man, I understand there's Daniel's diet. There's all kinds of fasting, all this stuff. And vegetables are good for you. So don't think you can't eat vegetables. Vegetables are good for you. You should eat vegetables and drink water. 
But he's, he's honoring them because guess what they did? They stood up and said, we're not crossing the line. He's honoring them because they put their foot down in the sand and says, I promise you we're not doing that. Now, granted, yeah, vegetables are probably good for you, but that's not why God blessed them. God blessed them because they said, we're only going to follow you. Our hearts are for you. So if you want to eat vegetables and drink water, go ahead. I hope you look better than these guys. But God will bless you when you put your foot down in the sand and say, only you, God, whatever you want. What you want, God, I want to obey you. Mm. It's not about a fast. It's all about an unwillingness to compromise on what God told you to do. What's God told you to do? And how are you compromising? Man, what has God asked you to actually do that you're compromising? What is it that, that you know was spoken over you and you're hopping over the line when it comes to it? And you're like, Lord, I know I'm not supposed to do that because you told me not to, but <clears throat> we're doing it. We're doing it. So this is not just about the students. I would love to pick on the students, but I can't because they're smart and healthy and wealthy and wise and they're smarter than us now. I know I had a bunch of them that graduated and went on and they knew more than me the minute they graduated. <laughs> but here's the thing. What is it that we're compromising? What are we doing to step over and walk more in the world? God's saying, come on, quit walking into the world. I'm gonna bless you when you stay on this side. I'm gonna bless you when we're walking in kingdom, be kingdom mindedness, understanding who I am, have faith in me. I've been there for you. Pretty much anybody in here can say, Lord, you've probably been there for me one time or two, right? He's been there. He'll be there. Even if he's got to speak to somebody he ain't supposed to speak to, right? To honor you and bless you and respect you. He can do it. Verse 18 says, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah. Nobody. They, they, they outmatched everybody. And it wasn't because of the food. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any manner requiring wisdom and balance, judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. And it says, Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. That's 66 years. Daniel served for 66 years. It's a long time. Man, I was waiting to get to 23 years in the Air Force, y'all. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait. <laughs> it's time to change what I'm doing. 66 years he did this. 66 years he was blessed. 66. Now, there's a whole bunch of stories. Read the book of Daniel. He starts interpreting dreams, and there's so much stuff that's not written in there, but he wrote this. He's telling you everything he's been through. You know, Daniel is one of the only, he's one of the only guys in the Bible that everything you read about him is good. There's no side story. You know, I used to think, man, David was good. No, he wasn't. He had his moments. Daniel was good. There is nothing in the Bible that said he did anything wrong. He walked with the Lord. He did what he told him to do. And he was blessed because of that. And he was in all types of leadership. 66 years he walked with him. Lots of great stories in there. So there's going to be times when you're asked to, 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 to step away from what God's having you do to walk with the world. There's going to be times. 
There's going to be times when people you get around are going to say, yeah, but if you just try this, if you just do this, there's going to be times that, that, that you know you're doing what God's called you to do. You're working where God's called you to work and somebody's going to come along and they're going to throw something at you and be like, but you can't deny this. This is huge. Like, look how much money I can pay you. Look, that's how it works. And all of a sudden we start going into this mindset of, oh, wait, if I can make more money, I'm going to be happier. Trust me, money won't make you happier. Trusting in the Lord will make you happy. Bring joy and peace and thanksgiving. Making money is not what it's all about. <laughs> you just don't have to always do what everybody else is doing. We get so caught up in that in this world. It's always about what everybody else is doing. And kids will go to college because everybody else is going to college. I'm going to get on a soapbox now. All three of my kids went to college. I'm not saying that's bad. You cannot take away education. Like no one can ever take that from you. You're smart. Man. But there's so many people that go to college <laughs> and graduate college and go, now what do I want to do? I don't want to do anything I just spent $100,000 on. And now I owe all that money. And now I got to pay it all back. Because they didn't take a moment to go, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm telling you, this is serious. This is how the world gets you. They pull you right out of what you're called to do, right out of what you're, what you're blessed to do inside what you were created for. The world will pull you out of that and they'll draw you into something because you think you can make money because money's gonna bring you happiness. Well, actually the love of money is the root of all evil, right? But if you think money's everything, now here's the thing, I'll tell you this. There are some people that can be trusted with money. There are people that can be trusted. And if you're trusted with a little, you'll be trusted with a lot. Because if we didn't have people that can be trusted with money, it'd be hard to bless what God's doing in the world. There's, there's millionaires that are millionaires because they're trusted with it. Because God says, I can bless you with more because I know what you're going to do with it. You're going to build my kingdom. So here's what I always tell the young people. I said, figure out what you absolutely love to do and go seek it with all of your heart. And I don't care what that is. Let God right in the middle of that thing and let him bless you in that. No matter what that is owning your own business, whatever it is. Doesn't matter where you work. Doesn't matter. You don't have to go to school for everything. Oh, man. I got asked this morning, can you have to go to school to do this? No. Now, trust me, I want doctors to go to school. If someone's going to cut me open, I, I kind of want you to understand what that is. Like, I want you to pull out my kidney and be like, I think that's a heart. <laughs> you know, I, I want you to know your left from your right. I don't want to go in losing my left arm and actually lose my right. Like, I, want, I kind of need you to be educated in certain things. But if you're going to school, just go to school. Man. Use that time wisely, though. If you're going to do that, use it wisely. Be the light wherever you go. Take the kingdom wherever you go. Change the atmosphere everywhere you go. You don't have to match up with what other people are doing. You can actually bring the kingdom to them. You can bring him to them. You could be the cause of that. You could completely shift an atmosphere anywhere you're at. I, and this is not just for students. This is for all the adults in this room. Quit worrying about what you're going to do and just worry about what you're going to do where you're at, when you're there. Like, what are you actually going to do with it? God will bless it if you bless him in it. God will bless you if he, you, you allow him to use you in whatever you're doing. You want to advance? There you go. That's how you do it. You get in there. Man, you honor the Lord. You become the light wherever you're at. 
and God will bless that. And that'll just start rolling over and rollover effect. Next thing you know, you'd be like, man, I don't understand. I don't understand how I got picked up for this job. Well, it's because you're honoring the Lord in your job. You were talking about them. You were praying for people. You were loving on people. Man. I'm going to jump over to Matthew 6, 22 through 24, because I love this. And this is, I'm going to talk about the eye. Matthew 6, 22 through 24. I've talked about this before, but some people will talk about this with money. I don't care about the money aspect of this. You, this is well taught in other areas. Matthew 6, 22 says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. It says, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. Then it gives you an example. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in and be enslaved to money. But when I look at this, I look at healthy, that term healthy. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, that word healthy, that's actually haplos. It means singular. It means single. We have to have a single focus. You can't be double-minded. Single focus on the Lord. Focused on the Lord. Focused on the Lord. When you take your eyes off the Lord, now you start focusing on other things. Now it's double-mindedness. Now you say, it's the world and the Lord. It's the world and the Lord. And what, what am I going to walk in today? Am I going to live worldly or, or, or live with the Lord? What, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? So that healthy, it's defined in other ones. Some, I think King James actually might use single, I, I think so, or New King James, one of them. But it's, it defines it as healthy, which is another term. But then it says unhealthy. So he's saying you, your eye has to be singular. Your eye lets in light to your heart. So what you're focused on, singular, what you stare at, right, is what you allow into your heart. So what are you doing? Are you staring at the world and letting that into your heart or you're staring at God? Mm. This is what happens (laughs) when I read scripture. We're just going to keep going. You guys okay? You guys got time this morning? All right. Because this will be for everybody else. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Just flip it over. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You've heard this a million times. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Why is it that we want to do good and let our light shine everywhere we go so everyone will praise our heavenly father? So wherever you go in the world, whatever you do in the world, don't cover the light that's inside of you. His light, his love is inside of you. His love is his light. It's all in you. It's supposed to come out of you. Don't cover it up. Everywhere you go, you're supposed to change people. You're supposed to change the atmosphere, right? If people are sick, you're supposed to pray over them and they're supposed to be healed. You have to have faith enough to believe that. And it makes you weird. <laughs> and weird's good. <laughs> weird's powerful. I love it. You know, I, every time I look up, I see Jen and I think about all the people you get to work with that are in pain and suffering every day and you get to pray for them. I mean, that's powerful. Like, like Rick's testimony about just being around you. That's powerful, y'all. So when you have that, like, 
He'll put you in a place because of who you are. And then your job is to change the atmosphere in a place he puts you. It's that easy. Go in, put your foot down, draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not backing up. I'm not crossing the line. In fact, I'm going to bring you all up to this standard. Everybody around me. You walk in your dorm room at your new college, you walk into anything, you walk in and you say, guess what? This is how it's going to be. This is who I am. And if, you're, if your roommates never, ever prayed before, then guess what you get to do? Hey, can I pray for you? You're not going to win them over by hitting them out of the side of the head with a Bible. But you know what? Get in your Bible and start reading it every day. Start praying every day. Start praying over your tests every day and start getting hundreds. That's good stuff. They're going to be like, I want some of that. Will you pray for me? I sure will. Pray you can spell Bible. <laughs> Get in this thing. But this is how you do it, guys. This is exactly how you do it. You change the world by living it. Don't fall back into what the world wants. Don't, don't get sidetracked into Babylon. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying, and, what, and they didn't take old people. They took the next generation. They took the next generation of leaders. And they said, we're going to yank you out of that to stop them. That's what they said. We're going to take you out, stop, stop them, right? And we're going to train you. So we're going we're to use your talents for the world. This is what they want to do. All right. Oh, man, this is good. I'm only through one bit of it. Okay, I'll talk. I'll, I'll, I'll go a little bit further. Let's go to Daniel. Back to Daniel 3, 8 through 18. Everybody jumping around. Daniel 3, 8 through 18. So we're going to pick this up. This is right after uh, Nebuchadnezzar went out and he said, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a large gold statue. This is how it works. Like he starts being blessed and he thinks, man, I'm going to build a large gold statue, 90 feet high, nine feet wide, and everybody's going to have to worship it. I'm going to build it and everybody's going to come and they're going to worship the statue. This is what happens. This is what they did. Because I'm going to worship a statue. I'm going to worship the, the God of gold and the God of silver and the God of bronze. He said, this is what I'm going to do. And all his people came and said, yeah, we should do that. So every time they would come and play all the instruments, people would bow down and worship the statue. All right, so this is where I'm going to pick it up. That's a little bit of backstory. Verse 8, it says, but some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said, that king, said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree. So he first issues a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, and this is what they're telling the king, there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the providence of Babylon. So he's already put these people in charge. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. So he makes a decree. That's like a law. He says, if anybody doesn't worship, they die. We're going to burn them in a furnace. And you guys have heard this story before and before and over and over again. So he says, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him when they were brought in. 
And when they, uh, when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? What God? Hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God who we serve will be able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. (laughs) I mean, come on, that's what all due respect right there. He said, your majesty, we ain't worried. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it very clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. That's putting a line in the sand. That's putting your foot down saying, I don't even care if he doesn't rescue me. Throw me in the fire. I refuse to worship any other God, period. That didn't come from Babylonian. That came from their upbringing, right? Their Jewish culture. That came from their family. This is what should be being taught in our churches to a lot of our young people. Because we can get it embedded in their minds. They will fight back like this and they'll say, guess what? (laughs) I won't worship anything else. And you can't make me. I'd rather die. But trusting that the Lord's going to save them anyway. So so how are you going to draw a line in the sand? What's going to be enough for you? What have you dealt with already in your life that you said that's enough, but it keeps coming back? Where's your line? Some of y'all got to extend that line a little bit further out. Maybe you got to draw your line bigger so you can't hop over it a little bit wider. There's a line. We all got a line. We all got one spot where, where we say, Lord, as long as I'm right there, don't make me do that. Would, I mean, I'm telling you, man, would, wouldn't it be awesome to have the freedom to just say, Lord, where do you want me to go and what do you want me to do? And when he says, hey, go to Africa and go bless some people in in an orphanage, you just go, cool, and you go. Or, hey, guess what? I want you to quit your job and go over here because I'm going to take care of you, and you're going to go bless some people over here. And you just have the freedom to go, you know what? All right, I quit. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's what this is about. This is about doing what he wants us to do when he wants. That's why he created us. He created us, well, one, so yeah, he can, so he can love us, but he created us so we can love him, but we're his tools here on earth. He created us to do what he wants us to do so we can, what all creation can understand. That's what we're here for. He left us here for that. I believe there's sometimes we go, Lord, if you could just come down here and fix this, and he goes, that's what I put you there for. Fix it. The same power that's in me is in you. The same authority that's in me is in you understand that and start doing what I'm asking you to do. That was somebody's alarm to tell me that it's lunchtime. I get it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. And I don't care. The Lord told me to talk. My foot's in the ground. Get him some vegetables. (laughs) All right. So this is what I love. Uh, Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Not just he was mad, like his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. 
Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. That's pretty hot. I'm getting ready to throw somebody in the fire and I'm dying. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied. And so they were just securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads were singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell a smoke. Man, that's powerful. The other guys were dying, getting close to the fire, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Man, I, I'm hairy, man. If my arm gets close to a fire, it burns the hairs off my arm. These guys got thrown in there. They weren't harmed. They stood their ground. They refused to compromise. And because they refused to compromise, God was standing right beside them. And he said, I'll get you through it. Does that mean that they didn't have to face the fear of being thrown into the fire? Absolutely not. How would you feel? These big guys are coming to bind you up and tie you up. And you're like, oh man, I'm fixing to die. I'm just going to pray. All right, Lord, you got it. But the fear I'm pretty sure was there, right? As they were grabbing them. So he didn't take that away. And maybe he did. Maybe there was such a peace over them. They were like, whatever, <laughs> do what you want. I hope it's that way. I pray it's that way. But for them, they, they, they just got thrown in there like whatever. And then they come out looking brand new. That's good stuff. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Praise him. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted them to even higher positions in the providence of Babylon. Man, they stood up for their faith, and it changed a king. It, and then he, he then decreed that everybody else is going to worship their God. Three young men tied up, refusing to go with the world, refusing to do what the world wants. And the whole kingdom gets changed. He, he said, I'm just going to set another law. If y'all do that, y'all die. You're going to only worship their king. Now, come on. This is what can happen when we put our feet in the sand. It might not look good when you do it. It might not feel good when you do it. You might go, but this is going against what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is bowing down and worshiping. Yeah, but you're supposed to stand strong. You're not supposed to budge. You're not supposed to move. You're supposed to trust in the Lord. 
This is not just for our kids. This is for us. Because I still think we teeter-totter on this. And we go, man, you told me to do something, but man, that's scary. That feels like fire to me. Feels like that's going to hurt. And so instead of jumping all in and standing our ground, we hop back over and say, well, I'll just submit to that little bit. I'll just let that. And all of a sudden, we're not singular focused. We're not haplos. We're now dual-minded. And all we're doing is hopping back and forth, hopping back and forth. And he's not going to honor that. He's not going to bless that. He blessed them because they were all in. He blessed them because they said, we're not budging. So we can't budge. Stand up for what you believe in. Stay rooted and grounded in your faith. We can't be of the world. We can be in the world, but not of the world. If we're not, if we're not in the world, we can't change the world. You understand? So we can't be scared of being in the world. We just can't be of it. Because God's going to put us in places that aren't pleasant. God's going to put us in places that are worldly expecting us to walk and stand our ground and walk in true faith and do what he's asked us to do. It's just how it is. Count that a privilege. Count that a blessing that he wants to use you in a spot that nobody else wants to do it. That's powerful. That's powerful. All right, I think that, you guys good? Is that enough? I was gonna talk about the lion's den. Y'all know the story about the lion. You know, man. Who wants to hear about the lions? Come on, come on. All right, all right, good. Like I said, I just had a whole bunch of scripture, and I really just like reading it because then he just throws stuff at us and we read it. I'll read it really fast for those that's never heard the story. So this is Daniel 6, 1 through 28. You're like, 1 through 28. For some of y'all, this is reading more Bible than you read all week. I love you all so much. You don't even know. I'm sarcastic sometimes. I love you. It's out of love because I've been there and I've been there. I know what that's like. I know what that's like. Some of the only Bible I used to get is when I go to church. That was my Bible reading. Go to church and whatever they talked about, I read that. So I know, but then I fell in love with it. And then I just said, I got to keep reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. So now uh, we've gone through some people, right? That's where we're at. Gone through some people. Nebuchadnezzar is no longer there. There's some dreams and there's all kinds. You read up on it. <laughs> read the book of Daniel. It gets really good. He, he gets killed and, and everybody else. So now we're going to be talking about Darius. Darius, uh, the Mede, decided to divide the kingdom. This is where we're at in Daniel 6. The uh, decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, provinces, and he appointed a higher, a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel. Once again, somebody chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect his king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. He's going to place him over the entire empire. That's his game plan. And not because he was just better. It's because he followed the Lord. He was planted in who he was. But because of that, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. 
Let's say that again. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Come on. That's what he's saying. Are you faithful? Are, are you responsible? And are you trustworthy? That's what he's asking. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. They said, the only thing we can do is come against his religion because he is such a stand-up character, integrity. This guy has it all. But let's go against his religion and see if he budges. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. Uh, We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Right there. They didn't even need a bunch of time. They realized we can just do it for 30 days. If I can get you to pray to not your God, but only pray to the king for 30 days. That's all they're asking. 30 days. And now, the, your majesty, issue the sign, this, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and, huh? and, the, per, oh yeah, and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, so right after he signed it, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times that Three times a day, sorry, three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. It didn't stop him. As soon as it was signed and he heard about it, he goes, I'm going to go do what I've always done. I'm going to go pray three times a day to my God, and you're not going to stop me. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asked for God's help and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty will be thrown into a den of lions. Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, the man Daniel, one of the captives, now he's a captive, right? One of the captives from Judah is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of the predicament. So here you have a king that he loves him. He's concerned about him. He knows what kind of upright man he is, but he got tricked into signing a law and now he's got to hold true to that and he knows what's going to happen. But I don't think he has the same faith as Daniel. So you can know God, but not have the same faith. You can know of him, but not know him. Daniel knew him. This guy didn't, but he knew of him. Right? He's heard of him. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. He can't even change it. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown in a den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. May your God. Boy, that could have changed a lot of things if you would have said, may my God. But he said, that's your God. May your God rescue you. So a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king 
the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of the lion's den, hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Man, look at that. This king spent some time fasting, right? Couldn't sleep at night. And now he's talking about not just your God, Daniel, servant of the living God. Was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? I want to go back to that. He's a living God right there. See, we didn't think of him as a living God until Jesus was resurrected. This guy said he's a living God. I just saw that. Sorry. Daniel answered, long live the king. Right? Long live the king. Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouths so that they could not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not, scratch, not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Come on, man. He just trusted in his God, and because of that, he shut the lion's mouth. Man, what lion's coming at you? What are you scared about? What den have you been thrown in? What are you feeling right now? What is it that you're not willing to do because there's, there's a den and you see lions and you think, man, if I just do this, this is what could happen to me. It's always about this is what could happen and not really what this is what God wants to happen. You understand that? Fear gets involved in so much that we do. We make wrong decisions based on fear. And he's saying, man, I'll shut the mouths of the lions, man, if you just trust me. If you just trust me, I'll do it. Quit believing in yourself. Quit thinking you can do it on your own. Trust in me and I'll shut their mouths. Ah. All right, where did I leave off? Okay, then the, oh yeah, this part. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had uh, maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. That's pretty bold. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion. So Daniel, hmm, just stop right there. He had rescued him. And then Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Come on, man. Man. Once again, one guy's stance changed the kingdom. Changed the kingdom. One guy's stance. It can happen. It starts with us, one at a time. It starts with you students, one at a time. You're fixing to go on a journey. You're fixing to do something different. It's not going to be you know, even, even when you live in your house, believe it or not, I had kids and, and you still don't have your hands around them as much. You want your kids to grow up. You want them to, to learn how to do things. But man, you got to make decisions every day now. And if you're off at school, you got to make decisions every day to wake up and go to school. 
You got to make decisions to hang out with the right people. You got to make decisions to still read your Bible and still worship and still pray. Because you're going to be in the world, but you can't be of the world. You're going to be in it, but don't be of it. If you do that, the Lord's going to protect you. He's going to take care of your enemies. He's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you. Hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, you guys get something out of that? I can keep going and going. I just want to stop. That alarm went off 17 minutes ago. I think it was Amber's. No. <laughs> so, come on. We can, I'm finished. You can come up. We always have this plan. She's like, what are you going to finish on? I don't know. <laughs> I'll call you up. It'll be really awkward. We'll all stop and stare at you, and you can just play music. Some people know how that feels. <laughs> but yeah, we can stand to our feet. Come on. I just want to pray us out. Like I said, if you came in with your mindset and you started hearing this today and said, man, I'm praying for our students, this was not just for the students. We have to make decisions every day. Every day we face decisions. Every day we have to make a choice. Every day we got to decide on what side of the line we're going to be on. And we're not allowed to hop back and forth. We're not allowed to hop back and forth. I need you to stay strong. man, we can do this. We can do this as a family. We can ignite something as a family that starts here and takes over the world. It can happen. You just got to believe it and then walk it out. Put your foot in the sand. Put a line in the sand and say, I'm not willing to cross it anymore. I've been there. I've crossed the other side and it's no good. It feels good for a second, but it's no good. And we got to stay on the right side. And you're not going to do that through any special discipline. You're going to do it through understanding how loved you are, how much he loves you, how much he cares about you. When you start understanding that, man, it makes it so much easier to just do the right thing because you're trusting in him, because you're loving him, and you feel love from him. facing the fire, Lord. We know when we leave here, there's going to be opportunities for us to just walk right back in where we came out. So Lord, I just pray protection and provision and strength and courage on everybody in here today. Lord, you'll guide us and lead us in every decision we need to make. But Lord, we just want to honor you. So Father, give us the strength to do what you asked us to do with all of our hearts. Remind us how loved we are. Continue to, to, to remind us how much you love us, Lord. Father, we ask you to be part of everything we do. From pumping gas, Lord. If I'm pumping gas, Lord, use me. Put somebody next to me I can talk to, Lord. Father, we pray for these students as they embark on a new season. Whatever that season is, we know you can have your way in that. So, Father, use them. Open their eyes to a gift. Open their eyes to what you want them to do and the location you're going to have them. And touch the families in here. Touch the parents in here that have to trust in you, Lord, that their kids will not wander. They will not stray off. Father, I want to 
we're, we're, we're going to demolish the 70% rule here. I believe we, we, can, we can totally demolish that, Lord. The kids can stay active in church. They can stay active in a relationship with you. That they can change the generations and generations because it starts now. They're going to put their foot down in the sand. We pray that right now. That they get so planted in who they are. And an identity that you gave them as sons and daughters of a king. That Lord, nothing can change that. Nothing can stop that. A lot of fire in them right now, Lord that burns so bright. Let light come out of them that changes darkness. We just declare that right now over everybody in this room. Come on, Father, we just love you. And we thank you that we get to do this. We thank you that we can come before you and worship you and love on you. We thank you that you are always with us and around us. You're fighting battles for us. You're shutting the mouths of lions. You're walking in the fire with us, Lord. We thank you for that. So, Father, we just love you. We just love you back. <laughs> or as I tell my kids, I love you more. So, Father, we love you more. We just surrender to you, Lord. You have your way in everything we do. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Come on, y'all. Look, if you are dealing with something, do not leave here today if you need prayer. We are going to have people at the crosses on either side of the room. Look, if you need prayer, let us pray with you this morning. Please don't look. If you're walking in some stuff you need help with, let us pray for you. That's what we're here for. Don't take what you brought in here back home. Don't forget we have the uh, baby shower, and don't forget there's a production meal somewhere. <laughs> El Cerrito. I love you guys. Be blessed. See you next week.